Hey, how's it going, folks? This is Abdullah Saeed. And uh, hi there, it's David Bienenstock. Welcome to Great Moments in Weed History. Now, on this podcast, what we're going to do is explore some of the lesser known and more interesting points in the long history of cannabis. And it is a long history. Don't let them tell you otherwise. 10,000 years, humans have been uh, consuming this plant. It's probably the oldest and first cultivated plant. The the whole dawn of agriculture was because uh, people back then were not dumb. Yeah. And it's attached to so many other things as well. It's attached to spirituality. It's attached to trade. It's attached to economics. And yeah, I mean, we're going to try to cover as much of that fascinating history as we can. And we have our work cut out for us. Yeah, once a week. Um, like you said, some of the lesser known stories. And sometimes we'll talk about the better known stories in cannabis history and really dig into those details. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, my partner is uh, currently twisting one up. We advise you to uh, do the same. Uh, you can hit pause if you're a little behind that process and we'll wait for you. But otherwise, uh, I think we're getting ready to get into it. Yeah. And another little thing you should know, I have no prior knowledge of any of the stuff we're talking about. Now, of course, I have some knowledge of cannabis history based on my career thus far in writing about it and creating media around it. But specifically, Bean does not tell me about any of the stories we're going to be talking about on the show So you're going to get it all fresh, all real reactions, nothing scripted, except for the actual history. Except for the painstaking work I put in on on writing the story. But I read it it to my man. He he jumps in. We're going to have a lot of fun. You you will pick right up on what's going on. Mm -hmm. And with that, I think we're ready to get right into it. I I think we're ready to journey back in time to a great great moment in weed history. Let's go. I'm, I got this J just about twisted up, Bean. All right. You ready to roll? Yeah, let's do it. Are you ready to roll? Did you get that one? Yeah. I opened, the show, oh, I opened the show with hi, everybody. I asked you if you're ready to roll. So we're two weed puns into this already. All right, guys. And, you know, two weed puns that, you know, hopefully will not recur, right? Are we, are we trying to do fresh <laughs> weed puns every single time? One episode every week. No repeated weed puns. Uh, quite a challenge. Why don't we get into our story? I see you're, you're about to, to twist that one up and light it up. So here we go. Whenever he's asked why he smokes so much cannabis, Willie Nelson, the hero of today's tale, invariably replies, you got a guess? When he's asked, how, why do you smoke so much pot? Mm-hmm. Mm, because I love the sweet taste. No? no. You want to take one more shot at it? Yeah. I'm sure he does. Now, no, like, now, no. I'm sure Willie I, does enjoy yeah, the sweet taste. Yeah. That's yeah, not what does. we're saying. Uh, because I, Willie Nelson, have crippling arthritis. Also true. His his <laughs> hands, you know, you play the guitar uh, that much for that long. He, he yeah, does carpal tunnel. It, but that is not his, his reply. I'll give you one more shot at it. All right. So when asked why he smokes so much weed, Willie Nelson said, Mind your own daggone business, punk. <laughs> That's probably what he thinks to himself. 
You know, because that's a pretty, especially the phrasing on that. Yeah, who's asking, you know? Yeah, why has he got to justify yeah, anything? You can't, don't ask Willie. Don't ask the man, like, mundane questions, trivialities like this. But what is the answer? All right, I'm going to take a running start at this. Whenever he's asked why he smokes so much cannabis, Willie Nelson invariably replies, quote, to keep down the rage. <laughs> Wow, that is so much better and so much more unexpected than anything I would have guessed. Yeah, absolutely. So Willie's well-practiced one-liner never fails to get a laugh based on how far removed it is from the iconic country singer's legendarily mellow stoner persona. Mellow legend. But there's also a dark truth lurking beneath the surface of that joke. Because what most people don't know is that prior to getting high for the first time, Nelson was actually a dangerously out-of-control alcoholic who routinely transformed from a friendly, red-headed stranger into a mean-ass drunk over the course of a few whiskeys. Get the fuck right out of town. Okay, that is, that's so crazy. I mean, okay, look, Willie Nelson, you know, today, one of the biggest public icons when it comes to cannabis. I mean, when you think, when the average person thinks of cannabis, they're going to say, Snoop Dogg, and they're going to say Willie Nelson, right? And, you know, and Willie's alive. I think Willie's health today is a testament to the healing power of cannabis. I mean, the guy has smoked for a long time. And, you know, look at the other guys, you know, his contemporaries. A lot of them are dead or very sick. Oh, he, he, in his own, by his own description, he would have been dead a long, long time ago from drinking if he didn't stop. I mean, he was uh, a true alcoholic, somebody who had a lot of problems, uh, and, you know, many of his contemporaries, of course, are dead. And, and he definitely says he would have been in that camp. Um, and just to give you sort of one example off the cuff, in, in one of his autobiographies, he talks about he came home drunk one too many times and his own wife, and then he passed, you know, he's being an asshole and he passes out naked in bed. His, uh, and this is apparently a Texas wife move. His wife sewed him into the sheets while he was sleeping Woke him up. He's trapped in there like a mummy, and she's beat the hell out of him with a broom handle and left. Wait, so she did not invent this move. This is one <laughs> that is, has been passed down for generations in the state of Texas. So that's incredible. I think uh, that's actually a pretty handy tool for any woman who's got a wasted, belligerent husband. Tie him into the sheets. Beat the crap out Soda of him. him. But here's the thing. That didn't stop him from drinking. That didn't stop him from being an abusive drunk. And, and alcohol is a bitch. You know, he kept right on going. So let's uh, go on with our story. We'll see how he. Yeah, how what he, did So, happen? all right. Well, probably no big surprise to uh, anyone who is familiar with current day Willie Nelson. Fortunately, everything began to change when our hero tried weed for the first time. Want to guess what year? Okay, so I'm going to guess he was 25. Uh, what we need to know for that is what year Willie Nelson was born. Okay, let's see. On April 29th, 1933. Okay, 1933. So, so that means when he was uh, 25, that would have been 1958. Um, wow, man, Willie Nelson's old. That's well, pretty yeah, wild. He's he, old looks, he looks great for how he's, old he is. Well, that's, uh, it, it, so it was 1954. All right, so I just did the math, and Willie Nelson is 167 years old. That's <laughs> Pretty, actually pretty good. amazing. He, he looks, looks really good. I will say this. Uh, uh, you know, I, I I think a lot of listeners will probably relate to this. I'm a professional cannabis dude for 15 years now. I've been making my living that way. 
Um, you know, my parents are relatively cool with it, but when I was younger and it wasn't my job and it was definitely my passion, you know, they weren't the worst version of parents who are against pot, but they, they, they weren't into it. And one of the arguments that really stuck was I said to my parents, look, Willie Nelson's older than you by a bit. Dude plays like <laughs> 280 shows a year. Yeah. He's been doing this for how long? You see him on TV. He's sharp. He's funny. Yeah, and, he's and, so And at the end of the day, uh, uh, science and studies and chemistry and all of those things kind of just washed off my parents and 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 didn't change their thinking so much as Willie as just Nelson saying, tipped the scales essentially. Like, yeah, and and a part of it is, you know, my my uh they're big they're big Willie Nelson fans. So they can't deny that they enjoy what he does. They can't deny his longevity doing it. Yeah. No one's going to say, "Oh, I don't think he really smokes that much." Yeah. And you know, it goes to show that as a cannabis smoker, if you really want to be a professional, you have to persevere and come up with creative arguments for the people in your life who might throw shade at you for smoking cannabis for a living. You know what I mean? Like my whole thing about it with my mom was the reason that you feel that cannabis is bad is because it's prohibited in this Western context. Whereas, in fact, our Pakistani ancestors have been using cannabis for like thousands of years. So, you know, like where exactly is your thinking on it? And I think that was one of the first times that, you know, really like made my mom think about it. But, you know, of course, like you have American parents who grew up listening to music. You have a lot of examples, not just Willie Nelson, of very creative people, very smart people, right, who use cannabis and still use cannabis. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, if you're using those examples, it's like, Willie is a great example because, first of all, you can say, hey, he really went through all the bad drugs, particularly, you know, alcohol and cocaine, for example, were big problems in his life. And now he's been 50 years on this path, 60 years on this path. Um, and I think also he's somebody that people really respect his values. You know, somebody who has, you know, with farm aid, just as one example, really core American values yeah. of, of decency that, you know, and he speaks to a lot of communities. Um, you know, I love Snoop. Is he popular in the country music world? Not, you know, Willie speaks yeah. to a lot of people who have more conservative values and he really uh, holds up that banner yeah. very well. That's an incredibly important avatar to have, I think, in the U.S. today, because, in fact, you know, obviously, like in American politics, the left and right are, you know, just the opposite of each other. They're just extremes against each other at this point. And people don't actually remember the pragmatism that comes with any political philosophy that anybody has. And a pragmatism, which fundamentally, for, if you apply common sense, will allow you to use natural plants for, you know, healing purposes. And it's Willie's an important guy to remind conservative America of that, you know, because he's still an icon for those people. And in fact, you know, I think he's like the fact that him and Snoop are the two most popular uh, cannabis avatars anybody can think of in pop culture says something really great. You know, you have a black man from Los Angeles, you know, fr from Long Beach, uh, you know, who grew up poor. And then you've got a white man who spent the first God knows how many years of his life just drinking and, you know, like yeah, they were walking both down outlaws. the wrong path. Yeah. I mean, that's really the, the commonality is they came out of an out 
outlaw culture. They came out of disadvantaged communities that were very different from each other, very different times that they grew up in. Um, and they both went through and understand and respect outlaw culture, you know, um, but in their own lives, they made that change, you know, um, and now they are these American icons. So let's let's move towards our great moment, um, slowly but surely. Fortunately, everything began to change when our hero tried weed for the first time in 1954. He's like in his mid-20s. Amen. In Fort Worth, Texas, as described in Willie and autobiography. So I'm going to read a, a little section from Willie's first autobiography. And he's talking about this fateful day, 1954, Fort Worth, Texas. Marijuana was known as tea or reefer or weed or boo. Texas tea. I guess, yeah, Texas tea. You ever heard boo? Boo? B-O-O. No, but I really like it. Wow. Yeah, that's one of the things we could do, too. We could bring some of this uh, historic slang back. No more weed. I'm only smoking boo from now. Boo with my bae. Yeah. (laughs) Bae with my boo. Bae with my boo. All right. So Fred Lockwood. Uh, a very important but uh, lost figure in this. Uh, this is Willie's friend. Fred, Wa- Fred Lockwood and I had been sitting in some saloon watching the Army McCarthy hearings on black and white TV and listening to Doris Day singing Hey There on the jukebox when he suggested we blow tea. Blow tea? All right, I'm not saying smoke anymore. <laughs> we're saying blow and we're saying we're calling it tea. Also, I, not to call, I would never call bullshit on an icon like Willie Nelson, but it's like, I think that you probably remember that you were in a bar in 1954 when this happened, and then you went on Wikipedia and said, hey, what was going on in 1954? Yeah. And it said the Army McCarthy hearings and Doris Day had a big song. Yeah, for real. Willie Nelson, I can't even remember, you know, what I did for my last five birthdays, all right? There is absolutely no way that you remember what happened on one day in 1954. Although I will say this, if you have smoked cannabis as consistently as I have since the first time I smoked it, you haven't generated a new memory since 1954. <laughs> so you might be right. This might be the last lucid thing you remember, Willie. <laughs> Getting drunk in a Yeah, bar he's like, oh, I remember. It was like there was a man with a green and blue sweater sitting at the bar. He had a small mustache. You don't forget yeah. a thing like that. He had a grimace. So, you know, like, yeah, th- these are the last details Willie Nelson ever remembered. All right, listening note, too. It's, it's, it's time for my co-host to pass that shit. Oh, okay. I thought you had your own over no, there. No, no, no. It's can reach. All right, so... <laughs> Doris stays on the jukebox. This guy says, let's quote blow tea. Um, After I turned him down, he gave me a skinny little joint with both ends twisted and told me to get high and be somebody. Wow. What a statement to make. Get high and be somebody. Uh, I'm getting that either tattooed on my forehead or on a bumper sticker for my car. Yeah. I mean, this is a good friend. This is a friend who who sees that. And this is 1954, man. So it's weed is not everywhere you look. This is almost like pre-beatnik. And this it's pretty prohibited still at this point. I mean, this is like following, this is the first, you know, we're still in the first 20 years of official cannabis prohibition in the United States. So, you know, in 1954, just so we have some context, how sketchy is it to be smoking a joint out somewhere? Is it like you're going to get arrested for that? You're going to get paddy wagon for that shit or what? I think you. Would, this is like before the war on marijuana, but after Ainsley. it was made illegal. So there's not there's no DEA. 
you know, we're 20 years prior to the DEA. And there's so little pot around that it's more this really hidden subculture. They're in Fort Worth, Texas. They're close to Mexico. That's why they have access to weed. Uh, and then, you know, jazz musicians and beatniks and, and subcultures. But it's nothing like now. It's not the common thing. Um, if, if, if Willie Nelson had not known this individual, you know, and obviously he's hanging out with musicians and people like that. But still, you know, he's well into his 20s before he's really offered marijuana for the first time. Um, so, yeah, it's a different world. Um, and so and that uh, weed was probably terrible, too. Well, it was a, a, a purebred sativa grown organically. I mean, were there there pesticides and shit back then? No, no, not like, you know, not that they would have been growing weed within Mexico in 1954. No one would have been buying chemical fertilizer to put on their, uh, you know, but it would have had tons of seeds in it. It wouldn't have been one of our modern hybrids. But I tell you what, I've smoked weed like that down in Costa Rica as one example. Um, It's really nice. It's got that great sativa uplifting high. Mm. Um, It smokes pretty nice. It's not as strong, but, you know, if you're getting it really cheap, um, it's nice to smoke on all day. Interesting. I had weed like that in Thailand where it's like still almost grown as like, you know, this sort of mass produced crop. Here you go. But it's like, it was a very strong sativa, you know what I mean? And this is like one of those Southeast Asian old, old strains. Uh, You know, and at the time I was like 19. I don't think I realized it. But you know what? I think the point is that people got high back then. You know, a lot of times we think that, oh, this modern cannabis is so much stronger. The THC has been bred up over generations. You know, there's natural, well-rounded cannabis that will get you high as shit in a very good way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know... These were all sativas because they were coming from from Mexico. Pure sativas, not like you know what we call it. What you and I call a sativa now is probably like seventy percent sativa. Um, so that's why the old stereotypes about weed were you're gonna axe murder your family, very active. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then when we get into the indica territory, the stereotype becomes you're gonna sit in your couch and do nothing. So yeah, it's like you know, and then and stoners are like, oh, come on draconian authorities which is it are we a bunch of crazed axe murderers who are gonna you know lure white women into our jazz clubs you know which is a lot of work okay we'll be at the jazz we'll be at the jazz club thursday night white women any women please come down we'll be playing jazz white well you know women of any race (laughs) yeah yeah, really you know but uh the idea (laughs) that stoners are somehow lazy right you know where i think that came from actually is that if something's illegal everywhere the only place you can really do it is at home. And when you do it at home, I mean, look, using cannabis makes everything a little more entertaining, a little more fun. So if you're out at a concert and you smoke some cannabis, you're suddenly having more fun. If you're out eating at Red Lobster and you smoke some cannabis, that Red Lobster is going to be tastier. So if you're sitting at home and chilling and you smoke some cannabis, it's going to feel more awesome to you than it did before. And you're going to think, Hey, why don't I do that? And you know, after living in New York City, I think it's a better option than drinking. But yeah. anyhow. Yeah, well, you know what I say is is it's not that cannabis makes you lazy. It's just that lazy people love cannabis. <laughs> and that's with good reason. You know, like yeah. you say, if you're already gonna binge watch uh, you know, season three of what have you, might as well be stoned. <laughs> It's very it's, true. It's going to only help. And and with that, one quick thing before we jump back to it. You guys got to check out this song by the artist R. Stevie Moore, who's a legend. It's called I Like to Stay Home. 
And it's going to make you feel better about, you know, something that you should enjoy. But anyhow. Yeah, no, don't let anybody home shame you. No, never. Okay. So we, he, he gave him this joint and he said, uh, go, get, go get high and be somebody. Pretty, pretty good advice. He sends him off by himself to go get high. Well, he's, no, no, no. Fred first says, hey, let's smoke this joint. Willie turns him down. Oh, but he says, don't hang on to this. But he, no, and then Fred's like, here, just take this with you, man. Also, good advice, you know, don't, don't, if, if you are getting stoned for the first time or you're with somebody, you don't want to do that when you're real drunk. You don't even no want to do way. that when you're four or five drinks deep. Then you have a bad time. Then, then the person says, oh, I don't like weed. Dude, uh, so many people will say that, oh, I tried weed one time and made me throw up. Weed, now weed <laughs> heals nausea. Okay. Everyone should know that unless you mix it with alcohol. And you know, that's an interesting thing about alcohol. You know how many other drugs have been demonized and called all kinds of things and made illegal because when you mix them with alcohol, they give you a negative reaction? I got news for you. It's the fucking alcohol that's making you sick. That's the thing that makes you nauseous. No other drug makes you nauseous the way alcohol does. Although I haven't tried heroin. I'm guessing Mm -hmm. withdrawal from that makes you pretty nauseous. But Alcohol is not, I mean, look, it's not a thing to mix with cannabis. It does absolutely ruin highs. That's the reason that I barely or don't drink at all anymore, really, is because I want to come home and smoke weed and not feel like get clouded by the alcohol, you know? Yeah, I enjoy a nice drink, but, I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, we're, we're into well-worn territory if we get into the old, right. why, is, why, for, why is cannabis illegal? But. All right, full disclosure, you know, we just, it, it, we covered it pretty well, but we did commit a collective party foul just now. We, uh, I was passing the Jada Bean, and it fell onto this couch cushion that we're using as a little divider right now in our very professional studio. And, you know, there's ash everywhere, but I would like to point out that we're so used to it. We very smoothly covered it up. You really wouldn't know. If you want to hit the 30 seconds back button right <laughs> now, you'll see, you know, that uh, we actually are so used to dropping J's in this manner that recovering them is nothing. nothing. It's, it's a reflex. We're not, like cats. Not We're a like stone cats. Also, pro tip, uh, ash-colored pants. Get them. If yeah. you are committed to... Uh, so true. You know, okay. So true. Ash-colored pants. And, you know, it goes with everything. <coughs> it really does. Okay. So uh, so we've left Willie. He's, uh, we continue now in Willie's voice from his, from his autobiography. On the way home... I'm going to take that again because I made that weird mouth noise. Maybe we'll just leave this in, but... On the way home, I pulled my car to the side of the road and lit up. Oh, sorry. I made a weird... <laughs> Mouth noise. I uh, totally inadvertent. <laughs> All righty. You know, if you keep this up, I'm going to make you, I'm going to do a Willie Nelson impersonation for this whole thing, oh, which would be, be so, one of my I, legendary. Were you not, were you not doing a Willie Nelson impression this whole time? I thought that was your best Willie. Yeah, I'm going to sing if you don't. That's the biggest threat. Okay. Yo, singing bean, by the way, is our the only uh, you know uh, angry letters we've gotten from the FCC and various fans <laughs> been about bean singing. Yeah, you can say uh, shit, fuck, cock, motherfucker, all the George Carlin, yeah, uh, seven uh, dirty words. But piss. I'm not allowed. Is piss, to one of them. Piss. I think motherfuckers. Definitely <laughs> yeah, one you of can them. say piss on. TV. Um, yeah, but I'm not allowed to sing. Just they got a lot of letters, which is odd. Okay. <laughs> On the way home, I pulled my car to the side of the road and lit up. I smoked the whole joint and waited for something to happen. 
I also have- not recommended for your very first time smoking uh, to be not just before you're driving, but in fact, you pulled over to smoke weed for the very first time and then continue driving. No, it, well, it doesn't say he continued. Well, he didn't get high. But yeah, don't don't smoke and drive. Um, and I think also one of the times Willie was arrested, uh, he was asleep in his car and he had a roach in the ashtray. No shit. Yeah. And, uh, the, and so he was just sleeping it off, being a responsible citizen. And, uh, and it was a long story, but basically... The case came. The case ended up getting thrown out because they, the cop said, I could see a roach in the ashtray, and that's what made me knock, knock on, on the, the door and and basically because he wasn't driving. You can get pulled over at any time right. while you're driving a car. Is if you want to increase your chances of getting busted for weed. That's the number one way you're going to get busted for weed. Yeah. Either being right out in public in a dumb place or, or driving in a like a car. dick. Yeah. But but they went to court and 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 normal the organizations you know helped Willie with his legal defense. So that's and, the for folks at home that's the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Yes. And they argued in court in Texas the fact that you enough people who smoke hand rolled cigarettes that the fact that you see what looks like it could be a marijuana roach, cannabis roach, uh, is not sufficient uh, probable cause to search a vehicle That's because great. it could be a hand-rolled cigarette. And, of course, I think every judge is pretty ready to find a reason to dismiss charges against Willie Nelson. And that, you know. Against a white guy. <laughs> yeah, white he, judge, well, white guy. <laughs> uh, we'll, get, we'll get into this. We'll get into this. We'll yeah. get into this. I was, was going to say, I've never heard of a judge being eager to dismiss charges against not a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, not white guys do yeah. a little better. Yeah, that's do true. Do a little better. But um, also, that's an interesting thing about, you know, what uh, provoked that probable cause, right? In, in, in the sense of like, you know, like uh, in New York, there was an operations order, you know, to the NYPD that said something like, if someone seems like, They've recently extinguished a marijuana cigarette. Now, anybody, literally, your grandma standing on the corner could technically look like she recently extinguished a marijuana cigarette. You don't know my, you don't know her. She did. Yeah, (laughs) she's she's the reason they put out that operation. (laughs) Because they could never catch her because she could burn one down in one big pull, and by the time they pull up, she just recently looked like she recently did that. Grandma Bean was a beast. She's she's yeah. But yeah, but, but legit, like, you know, there's uh there's it's it's great that they made that argument. I'm sure that, you know, the uh, courts and lawmakers of America took note of things like that and started making laws for, you know, like to to fuck over stoners. And, you know, like, I remember a while ago hearing this thing where uh, or reading uh, in like an ACLU report that NYPD officers actually prefer to arrest stoners when they're trying to fill their quota at the end of their shift or trying to pick up another arrest or whatever, because arresting a drunk means you're married to this guy for the next few hours who's going to be throwing up in your car and being belligerent, whereas stoners will always just be compliant because they just want to get through it. Think about how terrible that is, that the cops will target those more, you know, mellow citizens. Yeah, I was one of them. We'll get in, we'll get yeah. into that another, yeah, we'll get know, into that another time, but I mean, and I'm sure a lot of people... Uh, maybe not necessarily in New York, but that's that's a dynamic that happens in many over. places. All right, let's continue with Willie on our on our journey. Let's do it. So, 
Smokes the whole joint waiting for something to happen. I'd puffed the joint and blown out the smoke, not taking the smoke all the way down and holding it in like you're supposed to. I didn't even get a little bit high. I thought, what's the big deal? If I want to get high and be somebody, I'll drink a quart of bourbon. That's that's a serious, you know, that was his daily. So that's, yeah, and that's an alcoholic. Um, for six months, for the next six months, I bummed joints now and then from Fred and puffed them and still didn't get high. Until finally... So how many times is that we're talking that he smoked and didn't get high? Well, for six months, he bummed joints now and then. So what's now and then? Every two weeks? Yeah, figure. Yeah. He so know, Fred's like his best friend. So, so he tried it, like, you know, whatever, several times. He, yeah, six, six to eight times. But what he's saying is he's just kind of going... He's, he's not inhaling. He's it. not like inhaling deeply. And you know what? You know who you are out there, you stoners, quote unquote, who are not inhaling. We've seen you and we're going to bring you to justice. Everyone will inhale. You know, as a guy who wrote a book that I'll plug quickly called How to Smoke Pot Properly, <laughs> uh, you know what? It was it was just put out in 2016. It was not out in 1958. So Willie, you know, did not have that opportunity to read that amazing book. And he is smoking pot improperly and, uh, yeah, wasting his, his, his buddy Fred's. And then the other thing is he's still not smoking with Fred. He's bumming joints. So he's like, hey, Fred, can you give me a fifth joint to smoke incorrectly by myself? Fred is a good fucking friend. Yeah. And yeah. he knows... He's really letting he knows, Willie sort of walk the path on his own, though. Right? Yeah, but he's also, he knows Willie needs to not be a fucking drunk, and this is his slow burn strategy. Um, okay, so finally, one night I did it right. Since then, I have made up for those wasted six months. So Willie finally gets high. Um, and so... One of the most celebrated love affairs in American history began. As Willie himself would write in yet another autobiography, this one titled, It's a Long Story, My Life. My love affair with pot became a long-term marriage. It was, by far, the smoothest of all my marriages. Pot and I got along beautifully. Pot never brought me down, never busted my balls. Pot got me up and took me where I needed to be. Pot chased my blues away. When it came to calming my energy and exciting my imagination, Pot did the trick damn near every time I toked. All right, cool. So he's, you know, he's going through what a lot of us went through at like high school age or maybe in college, you know, which is that discovery phase, I think, with cannabis. You know, there's something to be said being about, like, you know, being in our lines of work. Uh, you know, cannabis becomes a little more, it becomes every day, quite literal, you know, it becomes a little ordinary to you. And, you know, I still very much love it. I love looking at it, touching it, breaking it apart, my hands, you know, but it's like, there's, you know, there's nothing like that first couple years where when you're really discovering cannabis and yourself, your relationship with cannabis, you know, that uh, it's kind of cool that Willie Nelson went through that as like an adult. Yeah. And I think you hit it. It's like, in a way, if you're the person who's going to really care about cannabis and really be uh, a consumer of cannabis over the long term, that group of people, it's a very profound experience when you first find it. It's obviously something that you connect with 
And to me, it's you, you find yourself in a way, um, you know, that person that you are when your cannabinoid system is flush with cannabinoids is to me, the person that I feel more comfortable with. Yeah. You know, and and I think when you recognize that person for the first time and that's what's happening with Willie and honestly, in a lot of the stories that I've written for future podcasts that we haven't even gotten to. Mm. Um, yeah, like this isn't the great moment. We're working up to it. But for every person that becomes really connected to cannabis, that first, not the first time smoking, but the first time really getting, getting high, high. Yeah. it is a great moment in your personal history. It was for me. Yeah, you know? I remember it. And actually, wait, where were you uh, the very first time? I, I'll tell you mine. You tell me yours first. I was behind a bowling alley. In Jersey. In, in Jersey. Okay. Allegedly. Which bowling alley? Uh, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna. I like to go. I like to go back there. And it, bowl was Brunswick, it was Brunswick. It was Brunswick Bowl. There's a kid standing behind there right now. He's still there. Out. He's yeah. in his. He's in his forties too. Yeah, we he's were like, both. Bean said he'd be right back with Jacobs. <laughs> I paid him. Yeah. No, I didn't. We. we it was. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that that'd be a good story for another. Yeah, time. I was at uh, Warp Tour 1999 or 98, perhaps 98, I think, and. Uh, there was a Yoohoo truck, one of our future sponsors on this show, and I drank a lot of free Yoohoo. But anyhow, back to Willie Nelson. All right, so Pot, pot did the trick damn near every time I talked. So, um, you know, this is some life-changing shit. So, okay, so nowadays, Willie's got his own line of legal cannabis products called Willie's Reserve and is fully part of the new green economy. But one thing you can say for him that you can't say for a lot of celebrities trying to cash in on legalization, Willie was cannabis long before it was cool. In fact, prior to Willie and his outlaw country buddies shaking up the scene, growing your hair long and praising Mary Jane was seen as career suicide for a country singer or really for anybody. Not that he ever let the square scare him off from speaking the truth. And this is Willie again from his autobiography. I couldn't betray marijuana any more than I could betray a family member or a lifelong friend because marijuana has never betrayed me. Unlike booze, it never made me nasty or violent. Unlike cocaine, it never sped me up or fired up my ego. Okay. A lot of people have stopped drinking by using cannabis. And I think socially sometimes that's viewed as just like, you know, getting one monkey off your back to get another monkey on your back. But really, like, using cannabis is, you know, more like taking a natural herbal supplement every day than, you know, switching to another drug or something like that. Yeah, no, it's like getting a monkey off your back and putting a nice sweater on your back. Oh, yeah. On a cold day. Like, first of all, no more presumably attacking horrible monkey. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then know, second, oh, a nice sweater. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it looks good and it feels good on your skin. Yeah, it definitely does. And so, at a time when reefer madness thinking was still very much in effect, Willie Nelson put his career and reputation on the line to tell the truth about a plant he credited with saving his life. Over the years, so he's been smoking for more than 60 years now. Over the years, Willie's been arrested for cannabis at least four times, including getting caught with more than a pound on his legendary tour bus, The Honeysuckle Rose. Each time he takes the rap personally and keeps on rolling. As Willie explained to Rolling Stone, 
The police don't really bother me anymore for weed because you can bust me now and I'll pay my fine or go to jail, get out and burn one on the way home. They know they're not stopping me. Nice. That's really cool. And you know what? Personally, taking the rap for it, that's a pretty stand up thing to do, Willie Nelson. Because, I mean, I feel like a lot of people at his level would have dudes who just take that rap for him. You know what I mean? Yeah, like weed carrier. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, essentially a guy whose job it is to own that weed, essentially, you know, in, in any. Yeah, uh, that's a hip hop term. Yeah. Uh, weed carrier. And and, and uh, longtime listeners to this shortly uh, run so far podcast, that'll probably be the only time I'm throwing the hip hop uh, reference the other way. That's I'm about like, it. Oh, I'm weed carrier, yeah. But yeah, no, a lot of rappers, uh, you know, nowadays will have a weed carrier. I mean, I honestly, oh man, this couch cushion is taking it. The couch cushion that we're passing Jay's over is littered with weed <laughs> ash because we keep like we keep doing like the slight, you know, uh, missed contact of passing the J when you have to stretch over a table where we bump fingers before there's a pass. Upon that bump. That ash just goes everywhere. It's I, I figured out the first time I just thought, all right, well, shit happens. The second time I realized it's it's trying to stay right in the zone talking. The intense focus it requires to operate at the level we're operating at right now. A lot of information, folks. Yeah. A lot of information that's coming out of our mouths and into your mouth. I would liken the focus required to performing surgery with both hands at once mm-hmm. on two, on two different, different people. Yeah. And yeah. Now, in fact, on one on a human being and one on like a large uh, bovine, you know, like livestock type animal. Maybe even birthing, birthing a, 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 yeah. a, a breech birth. <laughs> Using cattle. only a number two pencil, <laughs> a paper clip, and, uh, you know, one of those pizza cutting things. All right. He made me laugh, cough. Ding, that's one for laugh coughing. Um, all right, let's uh, let's let's not lose sight of Willie here. We have so, not. So that, but so he's ba- the other thing he's saying is like, listen, this country's not going to put Willie Nelson in jail for weed. You know why? That'd be the worst move the people who want weed to be illegal could ever do because they would just make him this huge martyr. Can you imagine if Willie Nelson had been in jail for the for six months? For weed, how many people would turn against this war on weed, and, yeah. and how every day that would just be a symbol? He's of, got a lot of fans, so he's just like you know, fuck you. Yeah, uh, which you know, not not and everyone there, has afforded that. But is, is there like a tally ballpark of like how many times he's been arrested or been locked up, or like how many fines? Uh, he's been arrested four times for weed. Four times, no shit. Um, he doesn't get caught that. This often, is over though. a long, very yeah, over span like a hundred years. Yeah. I think like <laughs> once every every fourteen years he's, he he uh, gets popped. So so they know they're not stopping me. Uh, along the way. Willie's had to put some young whippersnappers in their place. Country superstar Toby Keith wrote a true story song called I'll Never Smoke Weed with Willie Again that ends with him, quote, in the fetal position with a bunch of drool on my chin. I assume uh, chin rhymed with something. (laughs) After interviewing Willie on her talk show and trying to go toke for toke with him, Chelsea Handler said, quote, I was high for two days. I literally couldn't open one of my eyes. Wow, from smoking? 
from trying to go toke for toke with Willie. That's interesting because, like, you know, being high for two days makes me think of, like, eating too much edibles, you know what I mean? And then having that hangover just go for days, like... I can't imagine feeling uh, weed that I smoked two days later. I think she's, you know, I'm, I'm maybe exaggerating for comedic effect. Yeah. Well, you know what I will say, though? I would like the opportunity to go toe-to-toe with Willie Nelson. And I'm not going to say, like, you know, that I could outsmoke him. But, you know, I'd like to try. I'd like to see if I could because the guy's kind of a weed legend. And I know I can smoke a lot of weed. I think anybody who smokes a lot of weed would be like, I'd love to have that opportunity. And you know what? That's a that's an open call, Willie Nelson or Willie Nelson's people. Let's set this up. Well, it's always historic when two towering figures of weed from such different walks of life sesh together, but it doesn't quite qualify as a great moment in weed history. Not when Willie Nelson was involved in one of the truly most historic ciphers of all time. So our story begins... In September 1978, not long after Willie was busted and briefly jailed for marijuana possession, his second arrest, in the Bahamas. Holy shit, you can get arrested for weed in the Bahamas? In the 70s. Wow, that's where people go on vacation, man. I think it was at the airport. So I think, you know, wherever you are, it's lame at the airport. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's no, like, correct me if I'm wrong, you've traveled a lot more widely than I have. Yeah, well, I mean, I never travel with weed, man. That seems like, you know, that seems like folly regardless of where you go. But in the 70s, people, I think, were a little, you know, they felt a little freer about international travel with drugs. Okay, so Willie manages to get arrested in the Bahamas in 1978, not long after. Um, As a friend and political supporter of then-President Jimmy Carter, the country music legend traveled to Washington, D.C. to play a concert at the White House that climaxed with him singing a duet with First Lady Rosalind Carter. Afterwards, Willie was invited to stay overnight in the Lincoln bedroom. According to Willie, following a pleasant dinner with the extended Carter family, and right before turning in, a, quote, White House insider, and this is our cipher mate, invited him to take a private tour of the building. Oh my God, I see where this is going. Willie Nelson smoked weed in the White House. Uh So uh, he's invited to stay in the Lincoln bedroom. The White House insider says, let's take a private tour of the building. Asked if he wanted to venture out on the roof of the White House and take in the presidential residence's unparalleled views of the city, Willie happily accepted. Much to his surprise and delight, upon reaching the building's apex, his escort slyly offered him a joint to smoke while gazing down at our nation's capital from one of the highest points in the city. So who is this White House insider in the Carter administration who's smoking weed with Willie Nelson on the roof of the White House? Who could it be? All right. Well, let's... uh, So this is Willie in his autobiography now describing this experience. Sitting on the roof of the White House in Washington, D.C., with a beer in one hand and a fat Austin torpedo in the other, I let the weed cover me with a pleasing cloud and drifted into a reflective mood. My companion on the roof, it couldn't do him any good to use his name, except I should say President Carter knew nothing about this and would not have condoned it, was pointing out to me the sights and layout of how the streets run in Washington. Um, And this is his companion. Wait, so it it was one of Carter's like cabinet or something or one of his aides or who was Carter's VP? It was Walter Mondale. 
I don't know. I think know. it goes that high up in the administration to the number two. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Was Mondale cool? I don't I don't know about American politics in that particular time. I'll, I'll say this. Walter Mondale might have been cool, but he wasn't smoking weed on the roof of the White House with Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, who was? Okay, so Willie's saying they're up on the roof. Nobody from the Secret Service was watching us, or if they were, it was with the intention of keeping us out of trouble instead of getting us into it. I guess the roof of the White House is the safest place to smoke dope. Oh, shit. Yeah. Who the hell is going to suspect you of smoking weed on the roof of the White House? It's essentially hiding in plain sight. It's the last place you would expect somebody to light up a J. And there he is. So he's, and then he, he goes on, um, getting stoned on the roof of the White House, you can't help but turn inward. Certain philosophical questions come to mind, like... How the fuck did I get here? Yeah. I mean, I'd be asking myself that. It's yeah. uh, it's not an experience I think he shares with, you know, like they say, all the people who were on the moon, very small group that you can, you know, get together and talk that over with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, besides the moon, you know, if we're talking places on earth, this is definitely... One of the craziest ones to find yourself. Where, where's the coolest place you, 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 you know, not, not necessarily like the people you were with or the vibe, but like the coolest. Well, I smoked weed uh, when I was shooting the Mad Honey documentary that I did uh, in the Himalayas, you know, so, well, in the Annapurna Mountains with this guy, Durga, who was like a local kid, you know, who's was like probably in his 20s, who would make finger hash from like the wild cannabis plants that grow you know these are some of the earliest cannabis plants this is right by the birthplace of weed right so you know he would make finger hash out of that stuff and like roll like little spliffs with that and we'd sit you know at at our campsite and you can just see layers of mountains you know going back and we'd sit there and smoke weed and you know i would speak hindi to him and i couldn't understand him barely you know talking back to me but we were homies you know we were tight he still calls me sometimes from Nepal, like randomly <laughs> late at night. You know, legit, I'll get like a call from like a, you know, 19 digit number. And it'll be this kid, you know, from Nepal. Um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy actually that I, I got to like smoke weed so close to where it originally came from. It must be beautiful there. It's, I mean, I saw the video. Yeah, it's incredible, man. It's definitely crazy. Yeah, if you get a chance, check out the Mad Honey doc. It's pretty tight. If you get a chance, go to Nepal. Yeah, if you get if a chance. If you don't have that chance, you probably have the chance yeah. to watch the video. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, so what was the coolest place uh, you've ever smoked weed, me? Well, if you, if you get a chance to smoke weed at the Grand Canyon, you should take that opportunity. So, and uh, all right. So, so Willie, at long last, all but confirmed the identity of his co-conspirator who'd taken him up on the roof, supplied the Austin torpedo in question. Asked by uh, GQ magazine if it was Chip Carter, the president's son, Willie replied, well, it looked a lot like him. Ah, a White House insider. Okay, I see. Little trick question there. Because, yeah, I mean, he's technically, he's inside the White House for (laughs) damn sure. But yeah, oh my God! So it was Carter's kid. What is Chip Carter up to now? Um, he he works at he works at a nonprofit. I, I did look him up. I don't remember all the details. Um, but sh- you know, friend of the show. 
Chip yeah. Carter. Yo, Chip Carter. Get in touch. Yeah, if if you're out there, you know, or Chip Carter's people, hit us up, man. Um, so so this same GQ reporter calls up Chip Carter many of these years later uh, and asks him to confirm the details, which he did, sort of. Uh, he said, well, Willie told me not to tell anybody. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy, because you know what? If they got caught... Chip Carter would totally get away with it, you know, because they'd be like, oh, whatever, the president's kid's being a kid. Willie Nelson would probably get in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like they would probably like, you know, come on. That's uh, that's something that, you, that you're going to get busted for. Although, I do like to think that maybe at least once before he left office, Obama smoked one J in the Oval mm-hmm. Office or something. You know what I mean? Last day. <clears throat> yeah. I hope he returned to his Choom Gang days and was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to take one hit in here. Who's going to even say anything? You know what I mean? The place is empty. It's 2 a.m. Donald Trump's going to show be in there yeah. the next day. You know, you might as well take one hit aloud. And also, not to mention, cannabis decriminalized in Washington, D.C. So technically, he would be within the bounds of the law. If he smoked in there. And look, Obama, wink, wink. You know, if you're listening to this. <laughs> you know, uh, shout out to you, man. You know what I mean? I hope that you did. Don't, no need to say anything. I'm just going to assume you did un- until you publicly say otherwise. Until you say, I did not. Barack Obama, you took that hit in the White House, man. And shout out you. You know what he did? You know what I heard? What's that? A rumor. Uh, he's such a big Willie Nelson fan. That he sm- that Obama is, he smoked weed on the roof of the White House with Chip Carter. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, dude. Yeah, Willie, t- Willie was like, oh, I can't make it that day. He was like, all right, next best thing. Yeah, so Chip Carter showed up at the White House with a White House insider. Trick question. <laughs> We're talking about the president himself smoking weed with Chip Carter on the roof of the White House. Believe He's only it. the second person to smoke weed on the roof of the White House with Chip Carter. Yeah. <laughs> Chip Carter, on his own, smoked lots of weed on the, by, by himself. That, that, that's like, Chip Carter by himself, that's a lot of, you know, yeah. joint smokes. If, you, if you're counting, like, you want to say the first person to smoke yeah. weed on the roof of the White House, it was Chip Carter for like 18 months, yeah. you know, doing it by himself again and again until Willie Nelson showed up. And then decades later, with Barack Obama, of course. And you know how we know that is there was a beanbag chair and a lava lamp up there. So, you know, he seshed on the regular. You don't <laughs> like bring a little, that up. Like a little beach umbrella, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, you don't bring that up the first time. No, I know. That's like, oh, it's this a nice is my setup. Spot. He's got like a little compartment with like snacks in it, you know? <laughs> Like presidential little, seal on it yeah there's like a little hole in the, sh- the shingling of the roof where he just like stashes his uh you know his little cigar box he's got a yeah. phillies blunt box you know with like all these little like <laughs> we got like a metal pipe in it and like a little scrapey tool you know swiss army knife anyhow well getting back well, we're, to gonna, we're just gonna we're gonna give the final word uh on this great moment in weed history uh to jimmy carter the 39th president of the United States. And here's his only known comment on the subject of of this great moment in weed history. I can't deny that Willie Nelson smoked marijuana on the roof of the White House, 
but I also can't confirm that he did. I had three sons at the White House, and I'm sure that one or two of my sons could confirm the accuracy of that report, but not me as president. My sons never told me what they were smoking. Interesting. Told me what they were smoking. Now, that's phrased, you know, very carefully, I would say, because he knew that they were smoking something, that implies. So he just chose to assume that it was tobacco or whatever else. But, you know, Jimmy Carter is down. You know what I mean? I think Jimmy Carter is like, you know, he's... I don't know if he's ever publicly said anything about his stance on cannabis, but I would guess that he's pro-legalization. Oh, absolutely. And you know who else? Chip Carter. Chip Carter's out there. Pretty cool on this issue as well. No, that's really dope because, like, uh, I don't know. It's the kind of thing that I feel like for, for so long, you know, despite all the propaganda and despite the drug war, Socially speaking, you know, it was kind of always like a wink and a nod kind of thing. You know what I mean? People would be like, oh, they're smoking dope, you know, like adults or whatever. I think everybody has always had an awareness of, you know, the harmlessness of cannabis despite its illegality, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the irony even in that story. Obviously, I think think Jimmy Carter is pretending he doesn't know they're smoking weed and he thinks it's tobacco, but then that's... That would be terrible for them. Yeah. And any, you know, really responsible parent, especially with your adult children. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Jimmy Carter, we know what you're up to. Again, we're going to assume that you're smoking weed right now. And we're going to, you know, we're not going to confirm or deny that that's going on. <laughs> we can't confirm yeah, or deny. We can't. We really, you know. Not we, as the presidents of this podcast. Yeah. We can't confirm it. But we also can't deny it, you know, and we're pretty sure that you're out there doing your thing. Actually, everybody, you know, like out there who you think is probably smoking weed right now is totally doing it. And with that, we're wrapping up this great moment in weed history. Willie Nelson, you are a fucking G. Shout out to you, man. You're awesome. You've been out there standing up for cannabis your entire life or for a huge chunk of your life. And you've been talking to people about weed who respect you and, you know, they don't really have other people telling them how great cannabis is or how silly and ridiculous its prohibition is. So thank you. And and thank you, Fred Lockwood. Who's Fred Lockwood? Yes, oh, yeah, I the am. guy from the beginning. Yes, yeah, Fred Lockwood. Yeah, Fred Lockwood, shout out to you, man. Yeah, less 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 acclaimed person, shall we say. You know, Willie gets a lot of love. Fred yeah. Lockwood, you know, he's he's the underlying hero of the story. Him and Chip. Yeah. Shout oh, out, yeah. Shout and out Chip. Chip Carter. We that's know what cool, you're up to, man. Dude, that's a cool move. Yeah, yeah, dude. And that about wraps it up for this episode of Great Moments in Weed History. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave us a nice little review if you're so inclined. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and SoundCloud at at GMIWH podcast. And please give us a tweet or a post if you like the show. And with that, we'll close it out. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.
Well, that's the show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And if you stuck around this long, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. And that would really help us as we research, write, edit, and publish a new episode every Weedness Day. Great Moments in Weed History is written, produced, and performed by me, David Beanstock, a.k.a. Bean. Special thanks to our sponsor, PAX. Go to PAX.com and use promo code GREATMOMENTS, all one word, for a big discount at checkout.